All right, okay, so um, I'm gonna say a prayer and then I'm gonna, we'll jump right into this. Uh, Father God, Lord, I wanna thank you for um, this uh, opportunity to get to speak to these uh, men uh, today, Lord. Uh, this subject has been something that uh, in my life has been, I feel like a somewhat of a strength, Lord, but it can at times be a weakness because I can be legalistic and I can be unloving in the process, Lord. I pray that we're men that can stand up for your truth, but do it with love and, and grace and a boldness that you command us to in scripture, Lord. I thank you for your son, for these men, for the encouragement that you give me in my life, Lord. I pray that uh, I can live every day in such a way that just even tries to repay the grace and, and mercy that you've given me in my life, Lord. So I love you, I thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, so earlier, Mackie um, did like the kind of the intro class. We talked about being undefiled. So I figured instead of you guys getting to listen to me, that we would, you guys just go ahead and. We we'll go. see in a few. We're just going to let Mackie do it again, and you guys can, can listen to him. So is it on? Yeah, audience Here we go. this morning, if I can. I just want to be your vessel, just want to be your instrument, I want your spirit to dominate this time. Alright, you guys can turn it off. Kept me just help. <laughs> Mackie and I were joking about that this morning, <laughs> that I was <laughs> just going to play him, and, and so you guys could hear something really good today, twice. Okay, so, alright, so being undefiled, um, what does it mean to be undefiled? You guys can just shout it out. What do you guys think it means to be undefiled? Pure. Pure? Uncorrupted. Uncorrupted? Those are actually the top two on my list right there. Okay, anyone else got like another definition? Set apart? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, ways that we could define being undefiled. But there's no question that in scripture, God commands us to live in such a way as to be undefiled, to be pure, to be uh, not corrupted. And in the Bible, there are a lot of just like different stories and history and battles and just everything, right? But in scripture, there's, it's not as common to find someone where scripture doesn't say anything bad about that person. Daniel's one of those guys. Daniel is awesome. His friends are awesome. What they do and the time that they do it, it's inspiring and it is awesome. And that's something I think that we as men need to aim to be like those men. So I could tell you and recap the story. Can you get this mic on here? I could recap the story of Daniel. I can have my kids do it. All right, so which one wants to come first? Okay, M, you want to come first? All right, hey, remember, be real loud. All right, he's going to tell. Which one are you telling, the lions then? All right. You can do it, buddy. Do you want Audrey to go first? Okay, be bold, buddy. So what happened in the lions then? What happened? It's okay, buddy. Do you want Audrey? Hey, Audrey, why don't you come do the furnace first, okay? All right. Go. There were three friends, and um, they worshiped God, and they... The, the king wanted them to bow down. The king wanted them to bow down to a statue of him, and 
they wouldn't. They didn't do it, so the king told his guards to put them in the fiery furnace. Mm-hmm. And... Did they burn out? They didn't burn, and they didn't see three people. They saw four. And one of them was God. Mm-hmm. And God saved them and took them out. And then to, and the king told them to worship the true God. That's right. All right. Woo! Hey, can you kiss? All right. Come here, buddy. You want to do it or you want to pass? I think you can do it. Come on. Yeah. Come on, Em. Let's get him around. Come on. You want to you pass? You don't have to. All right, okay, so Emmett was going to tell the story of the lions, and he got a little bit shy today, which is, hey, buddy, it's okay, all right? I appreciate you wanting to, to get up here and help me, okay? I love you. Hey, will you go take this in the back? Hey, you're okay. Okay. Hey, give Emmett a round, all right? Woo! All right, and... And so the reason I wanted my kids to tell the story, or at least attempt to tell the story, was growing up, if you grew up in the church, you wanted to grow up and be those guys. Even kids did. Right? You want to grow up. They're almost like your heroes. But the thing is, is as we grow up, we don't want to do the things necessary to survive the lion's den. We're not willing to make those sacrifices uh, to survive the fiery pit. We just want the hero status. But there's a lot of things in between all of that that are required for us to get there. And being undefiled is at the top of that list. So the surviving the lion's den, surviving the furnace, it didn't start at the lion's mouth. It didn't start when the heat got turned up. It started way before that. There was a lot of preparing and choices that were made between birth and the den, birth and the fiery furnace. And why did they live like this? What what gave them that conviction? In the midst of their world falling apart, being conquered. And guys, it's not just being conquered. Like, take your finger, all right? And do like that. Do like fish hook yourself. Because when they brought the slaves back, a lot of times they put these big metal hooks through their cheeks and in their noses. And if they didn't walk fast enough, give it a pull and just imagine how many times that pull would take to rip through your cheek or rip through your nose. And you know what they would do? They'd move it to another part of your body. And you better keep up. And so they saw their families killed. They were drugged to a foreign land, taken captive. They were enslaved. And how were they able to stand for the truth? simple. They had been taught. In Deuteronomy 6, hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God, or the Lord your God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words, which I command you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. Teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. They knew what it was to love the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, and strength. They were taught. It was written, just imagine, 
you know, being at the bathroom mirror, and being on your bathroom mirror and on the, the door frame, you know, being above there. And God's words were there. And they knew what they were to stand up for. They knew how they were to live. They were armed. So when the, the armies came, they were prepared. When they were presented with this food and this feast, they were prepared. When they were at the lion's den and in the furnace, they were prepared because they loved the Lord their God with all their heart, mind, and strength. Can you guys say the same? It meant living for God. You know, God, God wants us to live for him like a Brian Adams song I, I've heard before. You know it's true, everything you do, oh, I do it for you. Everything I do, darling, and we see it through, oh, we'll see it through. Oh yeah, yeah, look into your heart. And then it goes on to say, everything you do, I do it for you. God wants us to do everything for him, mind, soul, and strength. We do it for him. So when he was faced with all these decisions that we're gonna talk about today, he was doing it for God with every part of him. And that's good for them, they were, they were being taught. For some of them, it's stuck. For Daniel and his friends, it's stuck. But for the majority of them, it didn't stick. How do we know that? Well, they were being conquered and dragged away to a foreign land because they, were, they weren't loving the Lord their God with all their hearts. They had turned to foreign gods. They had turned to idols. And God's like, all right, humble in time. So for the majority of them, the love of the Lord your God stuff didn't stick. And for some of you guys, you guys were taught that at a young age. And that's awesome. Light years ahead of me. You're kind of like where my son's at now, right? Where my daughter's at. You guys get to stuff from a young age. Some of you guys are living it out now. Some of you guys have wandered off from that. You were taught it, but you're not really living it. Some of you were taught it and some of your friends aren't here. Some kids you guys grew up going to church camp with, they're not here right now. They're out living it up in Babylon. For, for some of us, for me, I didn't grow up with this stuff. I didn't grow up with any of this. So for me, here's what it might look like for me. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's Murphy, mercy, Murphy, Murphy's bro, right? <laughs> in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offer your whole bodies. Love the Lord your God with everything you do. Offer it as your sacrifice. As you go into the world, this is your sacrifice. Do not conform to the patterns of this world. Do not be defiled. Don't conform to this. When you go into your schools and in your job, I, you know, I was talking with Robert earlier. You know, like, I feel like the army, isn't that, I don't know if it's ever gonna be a physical army that takes over the United States that drags us off into captivity, but look around. This is a foreign land. This isn't one nation under God anymore. We love that ideal. But God doesn't, like, he, he rules all, but that's not what's running this right now. And if our people, if our Christian people have been doing what they needed to do in this country for the last 250 years, we wouldn't be where we are now because we've let God's words become defiled and not them be defiled, but our lives to be defiled. We've made compromises. We haven't stood for truth. We haven't been loving when we needed to love. Our lives have become defiled. So you gotta give a total, total 
total body sacrifice. You know, Carrie was telling me the story when he was in the youth ministry. His youth minister, um, there was some sin going on, and he was talking about a little bit of yeast spoils the whole batch. And they weren't quite getting the point of what he was saying. So he told them that before the meeting, he had taken an eyedropper and put some pee in the drink, this big thermos. And they're like, no, 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 you didn't do that. And he stood firm to it for a while to the point where the guys were getting mad, like indignant mad. Because if I were to say, guys, this morning in the coffee, because <laughs> Tanner, I'm a prankster, right? That would be semi sort of believable with me, right? <laughs> I, I put some pee in there, right? You guys would be all like, well, which one was it? Which, which little thermos thing was it? Which coffee was it? Was it the Colombian or the P&G or the Starbucks or which one was it? And you'd be like, did I drink that? Because if I drink that, we're going to have problems, right? And that's how it was because God doesn't want a tainted sacrifice. You know, in Malachi, the book of Malachi, if you want to know, because Daniel knew what a giving a pure sacrifice was. In the Old Testament, they knew what it was. But in the book of Malachi, God rejects their offering. Because what were they, were they giving their best? Were they giving their first? They weren't doing that. They were giving the leftovers. Oh, this, this is a crippled bird. I wasn't going to use it. I wasn't going to eat it anyway. This one's lame, he's no good. So they started, we'll just give those ones to God so we can keep the good stuff for us. And God rejects it. When our lives, when we give our last, or we give our crippled, we give our tired parts of ourselves to God, is that what we're talking about in Romans 12 here? The proper worship? Is that what they're talking about in Deuteronomy 6, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Is giving your last, giving your crippled, is allowing a drop of, of yeast or a drop of urine in your life and in your walk with God, defiling yourselves by compromising God's word and the convictions that he's put for you to live? Is that where we're at here? Is God gonna accept that sacrifice? Would you go to that? If I was 90% faithful to my wife, would that be good enough? It was just one website, honey. No, she'd be furious. But that's what we expect in our relationship with God. We make compromises. Our total body sacrifice must be pure and undefiled. And guys, now I'm not talking about we slipped. There's grace in that. What I'm talking about is allowing sin in your camp and in your heart, and allowing control and dominion over the decisions that you make. We've gotta be pure we have to be undefiled. All right, so what I'm gonna do, I got cute with this, is my point spell pure, P-U-R-E. I was doing like a Rick Warren uh, preaching for life change thing, so it really just inspired me to put all this stuff in here, so pure. So the first thing I must do, if I'm to be the undefiled, I must put my faith and fear in God. I must put my faith and fear in God. Robert's lesson last night, Mackie's lesson this morning, talking about faith and putting it on God, not just a belief, but an action, a way of life. You know, go back. If you didn't get to hear Robert's lesson last night, go back. Those challenges, those questions that he asked for you, go back and listen to that. And if you did listen, to, go listen to it again. I was challenged. I work in ministry. I work with the church. I'm, I'm the paid spokesman in, in some senses, 
and that challenged me to the core last night. About putting your faith in God. Matthew's lesson today is just about being undefiled, right? And it's not just that fear of judgment. It's so much more than that. It's a fear and a reverence for God. Hebrews 12, 18 and 19. Therefore, since we received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. It's kind of funny that it's fire and we're talking about the fiery furnace, right? But our God is the consuming fire, not the fire that the world throws out at us. Daniel and his friends had a fear for God, a proper respect, knowing that you know, it doesn't matter what man can threaten me with, fire, lion's den, hooks in the mouth, castration that Mackie was talking about. That's terrible. I mean, no guy here wants, all right? No one wants that. They weren't afraid of that stuff because they were more afraid of God. And they had God in a proper respect. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. It's more than respect. Respect is necessary. Obedience. It is fear in accepting God's discipline. You know, it doesn't say like exactly how Daniel and, and his friends responded when they were being conquered. But from the looks of it in, in Daniel 1, they had good attitudes about it. They were respectful. They were compliant with what they were saying. And they went with it even though they were being conquered, even though they were being enslaved, because they weren't afraid of the people that were taking them captive. They had a respect for God and how God told them to be lived. They weren't willing to be defiled. And Psalms 56, 11, trust in God, I will not be afraid. What can people do to me? So the food in Daniel 1, why was that unacceptable? Do you guys know? Does anyone know? It doesn't say specifically, so there's a few different possible right answers here. All right, one, it, yeah, it, it could have been just unclean. It could have been sacrificed to, to idols or to, to foreign gods. The third one, I think, is maybe a little less common, like, knowledge-wise, is that they might not wanted to owe the king anything and, like, have that type of fellowship with him. Those are the three things that are consistently read when I was getting a little deeper into this text. And my, is my boy Theo in here? I'm gonna put Theo on blast. Theo doesn't, I don't think really likes to owe people stuff. Um, he, I bought him like two Gatorades at kids camp. He didn't like have his wallet or whatever it was. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And so I checked my phone like the next morning and he Facebook paid me like 388 for the stuff because he didn't like really wanna owe me anything. I'm like, hey dude, we're like friends. You don't have to do that. Like that's how it is. But as men, right? We don't like own anybody anything. It could have been part of it. But I think the bigger part is they didn't want to, to be defiled. They didn't want to be in the area of being defiled. They want to be in the ballpark. And guys, in our lives, how many of you put yourself in the ballpark of being defiled with the things you watch, the music you listen to? Because it may not be this time. It may not be this episode of whatever show it is that gets sexual but it might be the next one or the next show because it gets a little closer and a little closer to the line. And next thing you know, you're caught in what's called, a, I call it a porn storm. Right in the middle of it. And you don't know how to get out because it's all around you. And you're two, three hours deep 
and listening, you don't know, and watching where the time went, and then you get feel shame and you feel guilt, and it's two days in a row, three days in a row, because that stuff's a cycle, because you're not turning to God on that stuff. You're going back to porn to feel good about the things that you're just doing, and when you get done, you feel guilty about it, so you're in this cycle. Round and around it goes, because you put yourself in the ballpark, and instead of refusing the feast that was in front of you and doing it God's way, you gave in to the temporary, and you defiled yourself. And then your relationship with God suffers, and then the people, the men around you, their relationships with God suffer, and then the ladies around you that you're supposed to be leading and protecting, their relationships suffer, and then those family members that you've been praying for for a while, well, they may not be in the room with you when you're on the computer or whatever your way that you're getting defiled, but they don't, they don't see Christ in you because there's just this, this aura about people that are messing up. It's, it's weird. And it's so weird, too, that when people truly repent and come back, that, that they change and that people are drawn back to them. But you allow yourself to be at the feast and you're not doing it God's way. Because, yeah, remaining pure and celibate might seem like vegetables to you. But when you do it God's way, there's steak dinner waiting for you, whether that's in a marriage or in heaven. Because not everyone gets married. I want to make that clear. Not everyone's called to do that. But God's blessing is better than any temporary fix or whatever you want to call it. And we can't allow ourselves to be defiled there. You know, Daniel too, in Daniel 5, when you talk about the handwriting on the wall, he told a sitting king, here's where his conviction was. He told a sitting king, your reign's coming to an end. You want to go tell that to a sitting king? One that you know could kill you? He was so convicted about what God told him and how he were to live in his life that he told a sitting king his rule was coming to an end. So what are you guys afraid of? What are you guys afraid of? What, what, what challenges your fear in God, that reverence for God? Is it your job, fear of being alone, loneliness, rejection? Family. Family? Not having a purpose? I know I hear that one a lot. What challenge is that? If you got a pen, you got your notebooks that they provided, CMU people, you guys are awesome. Write down what, what, what the first thing that popped in your mind was. Then I want you to spend some time praying over what makes you afraid. And it might still be that. It might be something else different God put on your heart. Then I want you to go to someone who you can trust and you can look at their relationship with God and say, you know what, they got a good one. I want you to talk to that person about that. Because if you allow this fear to stay in your life, instead of fearing God and putting your faith in God, it's going to shipwreck you. Daniel 6. Uh, Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel to close the lion's mouth. They have not hurt me because my God knows I am innocent. I never did anything wrong to you, O king. He knew where it was coming from. He had put his faith in God, and God closed. My man's sleeping here now. Uh, they had closed the lion's mouth. <laughs> he's just, he's totally conked out. Sorry. Um, I'm like baby happy right now, like with all my kids, because we got a new baby. So like anything they do, I just feel just all warm and fuzzy right now. And he's just <laughs> like that, legs crossed like a man sitting there. Okay. Um, so where, where was I? Sorry. He had trusted God to close the lion's mouth. He wasn't afraid of that. 
So when, you're, when you fear God, none of the other stuff matters. The temporary vanishes. It becomes just about the eternal, just like with Daniel. So the first thing I must do is I must put my fear and faith in God. Second, I must understand my purpose. I must understand my purpose. You see, when Daniel was there, he knew his purpose. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with mind, soul, and strength, and to live for God, to give his all. What do you guys, if you guys had to take your pen out again and write down, what do you think your number one purpose is? Make money, get a degree, get married, live for God, glorify God. Where's the order of all that stuff? See, Daniel understood his purpose. His buddies understood their purpose. Our purpose, to do God's will, to give God glory in everything that we do. This has been my, my most sincere prayer, I feel like, over the last three or four months, is just when I go into the world, I just, I, I just want to give you glory. I want to bring honor. I want to do something that gives you some honor. You don't think standing up to the king's men is giving glory to God? 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 33. The answer is this. If you eat or drink, your basic needs, whatever it is, or if you do anything, do it all for the glory of God. Never do anything that might hurt others, Jews, Greek, or God's church, just as I also try to please Everybody in every way, I'm not trying to do what is good for me, but what is good for the most people so that they can be saved. The basic needs, give glory to God. Is that how you guys live your life? When you go to work, I was talking to someone yesterday, and he said, uh, I said, hey, man, I saw you delivering pizzas. And he's like, did I look mad? I said, no, man, why would you look mad? He goes, the AC's out in my car. Well... AC might be out, but you're still to give glory to God. That means watching your attitude, watching the way that you live, watching the way that you move, watching the conversations you have. In Daniel 1.17, as for these four men, God gave them knowledge and skill and all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all the visions and dreams. So why is it important to understand your purpose? Giving glory to God. 1 Timothy 4, 16 says, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. If you, if you do so, you're going to save both yourself and those who hear you. If you're not understanding your purpose, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss salvation, and the people around you are going to miss salvation too if you allow yourself to become defiled, if you're not watching your life and doctrine. Because that's saying, hey, there's a purity there. Watch what you do. Watch what you believe. Watch how you live. If you continue to do them, you're going to save yourself. But beyond that, you're going to save those who hear you. Daniel saved himself, right? In a sense, God did the working, right? But then also his friends. In Daniel 1.8, Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food wine, and he asked the chief officials for permission not to defile himself in this way. And then in verse 11, Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for these 10 days. So at first it starts off with Daniel, and then his friends followed in with that. They got included in on that. And do you think if Daniel hadn't stood up there, maybe his friends might have done that. They might have stood up, but there's a reason God pointed to Daniel to do this. This book could have went a whole different way. It could have ended right here. It could have ended at the fiery furnace, and then they burned up and they died. And it could have been instead of an inspiring example of how to live in Babylon, it could have been this 
scathing warning of, hey, you better listen to God or you're going to get burned up. But the story ended differently because Daniel stood up and then his friends stood up. And then when you look at the kings, the kings in the story make proclamations to God because of men's faithfulness and not allowing themselves to be defiled. And it started with the little stuff like with the food, right? That's a smaller thing. And then it was bow down or die. Then it was don't pray to God, pray to me. And those are much bigger deals, much harder things to to say no to. Facing death right there. You know, um, for me, uh, I play Frisbee golf. And there's a story, um, this is probably six years ago now. Uh, I was playing, it was a hot day, not a lot of shade at the course, and I was having a bad round. It was like the second to last hole. It was like two just, just bad, bad rounds. And second to last hole, I just turned around and I just kicked my bag. Boom. Disc flying up everywhere. It was like, I wish I had a video because it was probably funny to watch like back. It hurt my foot, actually. And I finished the round, and I get done, and one of my friends said, hey, man, I saw you over there. And I was like, oh, yeah? I, what what'd you see? He's like, well, I saw you kick your bag. And I was like, oh, did you? He goes, man, I thought you were one of the good guys. And I was like, man, because I knew what he meant because we had had those conversations before. And it really like, made me put into perspective what like, competition was and what it should have been about being there. It wasn't just me competing. It was me being there to glorify God. I had misunderstood what my purpose of being there was. So I was a bad example that day. Now, there were other times since then and before that that I was a good example. But guys, people are watching you. They're watching each and every one of you. If you've proclaimed Christ in your life, they're watching you because they're waiting for you to mess up. Because life without God seems easier. It seems more enjoyable. And they want reasons to, to go out and have sex before marriage and to drink, to smoke weed, to believe the easier things that are going on in our world about gender identity and everyone can choose and the women's right to choose their body and I can be gay or I can not be gay or whatever. They want reasons to discredit that because that stuff's easier to believe. Everybody goes to heaven. All you gotta do is just believe. There's no surrender there. You just believe in God and you, at the end you, you go to heaven. So your friends, your family, when you have them, kids, are looking at you and they're watching you. And we gotta understand what our purpose is because we're being watched. Understand that? And remember, the fiery furnace didn't start at the furnace. It started way before that. So for you young guys here, it starts with you right now when you're a teenager. So in 10 years, when you do have kids or 15 years or whenever it is, they're gonna see a man who's been living strong for 15 years, not picking up the pieces after God humbles you. Understand me? For you young college guys or you, you older men, the road to making those decisions starts now. Don't allow yourself to be defiled. Fear God. Understand your purpose and that you're being watched. Give glory to God in everything, in public and in private. Does that make sense? So three, I must resolve not to compromise. I must resolve not to compromise. Daniel 1.8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. So we do that regardless of the circumstance. You see, he was being conquered, taken captive. 
His family was killed. He was enslaved. He was young. He was 18. Who here is over 18? Who's under 18 here? 18 or younger? You're, you're 18. So 18, younger than 18. So 17 or younger? Like six people. M, say nothing if you're under 18. M at two. Right? They were young. And so many times we can use our excuse, our age as an excuse. Oh, we're young. We don't, we don't do this, right? We, well, we have time for that later. His friends were, I think, even possibly a couple years younger than him. But they didn't let the age become an excuse. The apostles, a lot of people say they were around the same age as these guys. They didn't let their age become an excuse, the circumstance of age, right? Possible castration, we talked about that a little earlier. Mackie talked about that. Didn't let that be an excuse. Possible death for his disobedience, that wasn't an excuse. Imagine going to heaven and God's like, why did you allow yourself to be defiled? He's like, but God, they could have killed me. You're gonna die anyway. You might as well live for me now. What's going on with you? I could imagine that conversation. The laws of the land were different. They were going against the majority. They were definitely the minority in this situation as far as numbers of people who believed in God. On our campuses, we're the minority. We're the minority on our campuses. You can't be afraid of isolation, rejection, any of that stuff, because what can man do to me? At the end of this life, in the grand scheme of eternity, this is just a blip. And then we're with God in heaven, worshiping. None of this stuff matters other than giving glory to God. Because when I die, probably gonna die before a lot of you, I eat a lot of bacon and steaks and stuff, right? It's gonna be awesome to, you know, know I played a little role in Tanner's life. See him rolling in and then see hands go, hands go up. That's probably not how it's gonna be. That's the way I like to imagine it though. And then Nathan and my son, and knowing that I played a little role in John's life and Malik's life, and just knowing that I tried to bring as many people as I could with me. But we can't allow ourselves to compromise because of our circumstance. And guys, they also gave them new names, and also this is another thing that, that Mackie talked about. You know, Daniel becomes Belshazzar, Hananiah becomes Shadrach, and then Meshach and Abednego, right? They changed all their names. Not only did they change them, but they changed them from something godly to something ungodly to something of a foreign God. Now, this isn't uncommon, right? We do that with our, our buds, right? right? Uh, my nickname, one of them is Terrence. My name is actually Timothy, but Terrence Clarence rhymes. So for years since high school, for the last six, 17 years or so, that people have at legit thought my name was Terrence because people call me that. Um, Becca, she's upstairs. She calls me uh, TC. TC, you're just running together, right? A fathead. I've been called that like my whole life. Among many other names, what are some of your, anyone got like a cool nickname? Trollfather. Trollfather, that's another one I came up for, for myself, Trollfather. Uh, anyone else got a cool nickname? Farquad, because of his haircut, Farquad, Lord Farquad. Ginger Ninja? Ginger Ninja, I like that one. And my daughter, my new daughter, she's going to be a ginger, so we're looking for some great, I think, uh, nicknames, so maybe she could be the female Ginger Ninja. Anyone else got cool nicknames? Just Ginger? Turtle? We got a buddy named Turtle, right? And we do that with our buds, right? But that's not what they were doing here. They weren't saying, hey, we're friends now. Here's a new name, right? They were doing something. They were using it to, 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 to mean God, to change who they were, and to beat them down. 
And guys, in your lives, you've run into circumstances that made you feel like your name was changed. Maybe you're abused sexually, mentally, physically. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe your name was changed to that. Maybe you feel rejected because your dad left you. Or maybe you never even knew your dad. Feeling lonely. The world has a way of just making you feel like something that God didn't intend you to be. We all have a circumstance. We all have a reason or what we think is a reason to disobey God. You know, a couple years ago, my sister passed away. And uh, I was just going through some, like, emotional stuff. And I had a lot of grace in some of the things that I did. But none of it was a real reason for me to be disobedient to God. Terrible situation. I know girls in my ministry that have been uh, sexually abused by a trusted family member. And none of that's a reason for them to be disobedient to God. Daniel had reasons to be disobedient and allow a little compromise maybe as what the world would think was a reason, but he wasn't. He stood firm and it was credited to him throughout his life and at the end of his life and for all eternity. So we must resolve ourselves not to compromise regardless of the circumstance and regardless of the consequence. And guys, we've talked about that a lot. Impending death for either disobedience not bowing down, praying to the wrong God. There was death all around them, and they didn't allow themselves to be, to be, um, to compromise. So I put my fear and faith in God. I understand what's at stake. I refrain, I refrain from compromise, and then lastly, I must exemplify Christ. Now, obviously, Christ wasn't a thing in Daniel's time, but in our lives now, when we live for God. We're bringing Christ to the forefront. So we do that in our behavior. We are an example of who Christ was and is in our behavior. Philippians 2, 5 through 9. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. When God blessed Daniel with knowledge, the ability to, to interpret dreams, did he boast about himself? Look at the cool things I can do. I'm so smart. Did he buy into the culture? No. He used it to glorify God. He was a living embodiment of who Christ would be later, you know, as a man on earth. So we do it in our behavior and we do it in a blessing, in the blessing. Where were you guys saved from? Who grew up going to church? Show of hands. Who grew up going to church? So some of you guys growing up to church, you guys were saved from something. You didn't have to, like me, see your dad beat your mom. You see the drugs in the house, abuse. You didn't have to go through the parents' divorce thing. You guys were saved from that, whether you were saved from that or not. Do you understand? You don't have to experience that. And just because you don't feel like you have the same story that I have doesn't mean you don't have a story. Now, some of you, like me, were saved from that. But guess what else we're all saved from? Our sin. Because there's not a single person on this earth that hasn't sinned. Right? So in the blessing. So how do you live your life because of that? Hide it under a bowl, the Bible says? Or do you live your life every day trying to repay it? 
Because I know that no matter what I do, no matter what good I do, win the lottery, donate $500 million to whatever, um, go out and I just I go to Africa and I save the children or whatever it is, can't repay what Christ did for me. But I can live my, my life every day trying to. But can I do that if I allow sin in my life? Do I do that if I allow myself to be defiled? It's not a chance. Daniel didn't defile himself. His buddies didn't defile themselves. And we can't afford to do that either because there's too much at stake. There's too much at stake here. So conclusion, Daniel 12, 13. As for you, Daniel, go your way until the end. You will get your rest. And at the end, you will rise to receive your reward. This is the end of Daniel's life. He did it for his entire life, and at the end, there was a reward there. It's a steak dinner. All right, not the same one that Mackie thought I was talking about earlier, but a steak dinner, right? Because he did the stuff that he needed to do. And then in your life, you ever thought about, I can be morbid sometimes. Uh, have you ever thought about what you want written on your tombstone? Yeah. You have? Who said yeah? Do you, would you mind sharing? Okay, you lived as you died. He shined the light in a dark place. But the way some of you live now, it might say a man of compromise. Some of the ladies are, or no, this is, sorry. They bailed when the, when the hard things came. Right? I thought about mine. I just want to say a good and faithful servant. Just what I want to say. That's it. You do the date and you can do like the kids and stuff. I just want mine to say a good and faithful servant. A good and faithful servant doesn't compromise. A good and faithful servant understands what their purpose is. They fear God. They put their faith in God. And then they live their light. Just as Clint said back there, it's like living a light. Kind of shine out for Christ. I'm tattoo on my leg. I got it after my sister died. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 26. You know that in a race all runners run, but only one runs to get the prize. So run in such a way to win. All of those who compete in the games use self-control. They don't defile themselves. They do it to get a crown. A crown, that crown is an earthly thing that lasts only for a short time, but our crown will never be destroyed. So I do not run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. I treat my body hard and make it my slave so that I myself will not be disqualified after I have preached to others. You know, I got this tattoo from uh, after my sister passed away because this is the way she lived her life. She wasn't a perfect person by any means. In fact, she was just annoying because she's a little sister, right? Um, but she was someone who when you looked at her life, she didn't compromise. She was even more hardcore about God's truth, maybe than anyone I've ever met. And I think the last, well, I don't think, I know, the last week she was in a hospital, she couldn't talk. But if we had said, hey, Mal, we got this girl, she's, she was abused, we think you'd connect with her. Can you talk with her? With everything she had, she would have tried to crawl out of that hospital because she was not willing to be defiled and she was living for God. 
My sister was as pure-hearted as anyone can get. And when you hear people talk about her, it's, it's not one of those things where people just say good things about people after they die. She was truly just an inspiration. But she was like Daniel. At the end, she received a reward because of the way that she lived her life. And you want to leave a lasting impact on this earth because, yes, you're going to die one day, next 50 or 60 years, but there's going to be people come after you. Your kids, right, their kids, the people that you meet, their kids, right, and maybe people like on a church that move in one day. Leave an impact here, guys. I'd always like to think, too, that if they wrote, like, for whatever reason, that if God came down and wanted to write, like, a third testament, that my life would be concluded in that because I lived the right way. And not as one of those bad examples, but as a good example of what people should do, like Daniel and his buddies. So guys, as you sit at your computers, as you watch TV, as you go into the world, you sit in your classes and at work with your families, with your non-Christian friends, don't allow yourself to be defiled. Live for God, live for his word, live for his purpose, and don't compromise. Uh, one of my favorite stories about compromise is uh, actually this just happened, uh, competitive eating. Anyone watch the hot dog eating contest on the 4th of July? There used to be a guy, Kobayashi, he was like the first big name eater, and I watched this documentary on him because I'm really into watching this stuff, and he said, uh, they, they asked him, do you throw up after you eat? And he says, oh, no, no, very serious. No, 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 because if I throw up once, there's a better chance I'm going to throw up again. He wasn't allow his, what his goal was to be compromised. And guys, when we allow ourselves to be compromised, it's like us throwing up because it's just easier to do it again and again and again. You understand? So don't allow yourself to be compromised or defiled. Lean on God for everything. Give him glory in everything you do, public and private. And when you look back in 10, 15, 20, 30 years, you're going to be shocked and in awe of the lives that God's used um, you to bless and to be a blessing for. So I'm going to say a prayer. And then, is Carrie in here? Carol's in here? We have dinner, right, after this? Seven, and we come back here at 6.45 um, for our next session. So I'll say a prayer. Uh, Father God, Lord, I want to I wanna thank you for this um, opportunity again to speak, Lord. Uh, I was talking with Ben before this, uh, you know, and we prayed, and there was just something about this lesson that I didn't feel great about. And I pray that regardless of the things that I said, Lord, that um, if these men can leave here with anything, Lord, first and foremost to be uh, your word and a conviction to live by your words, Lord. But secondly, Lord, not to compromise and allow themselves to be defiled, Lord. Help us to be men that hold each other accountable, that push each other to be more like your son every day, Lord. Because Christianity and, and living for you is a, is a becoming religion, Lord. We're to become like your son in everything that we do in our life, in our words, our deeds, our thoughts, our actions, in public and in private, Lord. I pray that we can be men that go out and make just a huge impact, Lord, but not for us, but, but for you. And that uh, I can be on Facebook in mid-November and see baptism videos from the, from the men that I meet this week from Alabama, from Tulsa to Louisiana, 
to Tennessee, Florida, or wherever else, Lord, because of decisions that we made for you, Lord. I pray that we can always support and love each other, Lord, from, from near and far. Lord, I thank you for sending your son to live a life for us, Lord, an undefiled life, to set an example of how we should live in our, in our behavior. Lord, I pray uh, that we can live our lives every day just trying to repay the grace graceful gift, the merciful gift that we've been given in a new life here on earth and an eternal life in heaven, Lord. Lord, we thank you for everything that you do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.